You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. It's Tech Fan number 258. I'm Tim Robertson. Thanks a lot for downloading this episode. <clears throat> this is usually the point where I uh, tell you who's on with me this week, but unfortunately, or, you know, fortunately for them, <laughs> I'm by myself right now. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit different of an episode, not only because I'm recording by myself here in the studio, but I actually went on the road this week and did an interview. I haven't done that. And I, you know what? I don't even know how long it's been. So for longtime listeners, you probably know that I worked at OWC and I worked before that at a company called Mac Specialist, which was an Apple specialist, an Apple reseller in Chicago, Illinois. And as part of that job, I got to know a lot of the other Apple specialist owners throughout the United States. But one of these owners was actually kind of in my backyard in Grand Rapids, Michigan. His name is Bill Smith, and uh, he runs his company right there in Grand Rapids. And, <clears throat> excuse me, the name of the company is CompuCraft, and... I, I really like Bill. He's one of these guys that when I see him, and, and to be honest, I never see him here in Michigan. I always saw him somewhere else. I would see him in Denver or, uh, you know, Vegas or something like that. So I would see Bill, and it just always brought a smile to my face. He's one of these guys that I just, I just get along really well with. Uh, he's a great guy. And I kept talking to Bill about coming up to Grand Rapids, which <clears throat> honestly is only an hour and a half drive, about 75 miles away from my front door, to do a podcast to sit down with him. And I finally got off my butt, and here it is. I, I actually did it today. Earlier this morning, I recorded this uh, interview with Bill. But here's the thing. We, we really kind of focused on the business aspects of running an Apple specialist and where the business is transitioning and kind of how he got into it. We didn't get so much into Bill and his personal stories. Uh, he's got a hell of a sense of humor. I really like the guy. So honestly, <clears throat> I, I got to do it again. Now, we recorded about a, a little over 20-minute uh, conversation. But I promise you guys you're going to enjoy uh, hearing from Bill. And uh, I, I'm going to go back up there. I, I'm going to bring my my good recording equipment. And the audio isn't great. Uh, I used a microphone that usually works pretty good, but unfortunately, it's a dynamic microphone, and I left it sitting on a desk. <clears throat> and the problem with that is neither one of us were close enough to the mic to pick us up really good. So I really had to boost the volume, put some compression on it and audacity, bring it into GarageBand, and I still had to mess and tweak with the audio so you can hear it. Um, so the audio quality is not great. I want to, honestly, I want to take like a 45 minutes uh, show uh, or a segment in a show to sit down with Bill and really, really talk with Bill. But that being said... Let's jump to this interview with uh, with Bill Smith. He is the owner of CompuCraft in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'll put a link to uh, his business in the show notes. Remember, it's going to be uh, tech fan number 258. And uh, after the interview, we'll come back here and uh, talk about a couple of things and wrap up the show. 
And I am at CompuCraft in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, only about an hour and a half drive from my house, which that's not a very long drive, but it's probably been three, four years since I've been here, Bill. It has, and they ought to know an hour and a half drive is a lot of miles here in West Michigan. It, it absolutely is, yeah. In Chicago, it's like 20, 20 miles away. Right. Here, it's right. 75 miles away. Right. I was just down in Long Beach, and to go 22 miles to the airport was uh, an hour and a half drive. Wow, crazy. So I'm here with Bill Smith. Uh, You are the owner, is it CEO, or is it president, or is it both? President, owner of CompuCraft. Yep. So when did CompuCraft get started? So we started way back in the 80s. We officially started in 1987. So you drove a horse and buggy coming in. We did. We did. And (laughs) and, uh, back then, Apple was about 2 or 3% of the uh, installed base of computers, and it was a good niche for us. There weren't anybody uh, in West Michigan or actually Michigan proper at that point that really knew the guts of Macs and how to make publishing or e-publishing work. So as a as a company that started as an Apple reseller and a kind of a value add, what was the difference between doing business with Apple users now compared to the 80s and the 90s? Because I did a lot of business as far as a customer back in the 80s and 90s. I remember driving up here to Grand Rapids, for instance, because it was the only place that I knew of at the time, CompUSA. Mm-hmm had the new iMac. I had to see the new iMac, and right. CompUSA was the only place that had it. Right. Um, is it different now compared to then, and if so, how? Well, certainly the landscape of distribution of product has changed dramatically. So back in those days, you did have the walk-in customers that would drive long distances to see the product and and talk to us about it and that sort of thing. And these days, if they have an Internet access and they think they know what they think they know, they can just push a button and have it delivered to their door. But I've noticed, as someone who ran an Apple specialist myself, those people who push a button and it's delivered to their door, they still need help. They They still need, uh, this broke, what do I do? They do. Um, And as great as the Apple stores are, they're not great when it comes to my iMac is acting up, what do I do? Well, and in fact, one of the big... Uh, things that makes us different is if you go to an Apple store and talk to an Apple genius and you happen to have a an Adobe question or a Microsoft Office issue or something like that, um, they won't field those questions right. because it's not an Apple product. So what's happened to our business is we started really as a, uh, a professional level reseller and now we're more of a service organization that... Uh, supports product and uh, supports the use of the product more importantly Um, and so we have a a fairly large team of engineers we have 15 engineers in the back now that that's their sole job every day is out in the field taking care of um, our clients machines well i've been saying for a while here on tech fan uh probably way back in the my my mac podcast days when i was still doing that show independent apple resellers are going to go bye-bye. Apple doesn't need those independent stores anymore. They're op- they're still opening brand new stores. They're they're moving into territories of long-time established companies. Uh, the one in New York is going to go away. They're going to stop being a, a major Apple reseller. There's one in Minneapolis that I didn't think they were the very first Apple reseller. I didn't think they would go away. 
Apple opened a store just like what a quarter of a mile from their main store, and they're out of business now. So Apple, at least from an outsider's perspective looking in, doesn't care about the secondary market of Apple resellers. So what is a company like CompuCraft, that that's how you started, that's where your business was, where do you transition this business so you're not so dependent on that kind of uh, business plan? So predominantly, CompuCraft specializes in supporting other businesses' technology needs. And as the price has dropped on machines and so on, the cost of a computer issue uh, in their workflow isn't the cost of the computer anymore. Right. It's lost production time. It's their, their people's time that gets lost when they have a computer issue. And so what we've morphed to is what we call a virtual CIO um, we become team members of the businesses we work with, and our goal is how close to 100% uptime can we have them. So now we do proactive work. Back in the 80s and 90s, you'd wait for somebody to call you and say, hey, my computer's broke or my my uh, Quirk Express is crashing, something like that. Now we try to stay ahead of the curve and do the preventative maintenance and avoid those things and test updates before they apply updates uh, and that sort of thing so we don't have that downtime. How much of that business now is simply you're monitoring remotely what's going on with their systems rather than having to send a tech on site to fix something? That is a growing change in our business. So even two years ago, we were almost 100% still on site. And now we are pushing 70% remote. So um, that's a huge difference. Well, and the thing that it's done for us is we used to only deal with businesses in West Michigan because you looked at it and said, what's the drive time? Can I get somebody there in an hour Right, if it's in Detroit, there's no sense in you handling that customer because it's going to take you three and a half hours to get there. Now we have big clients in Louisiana, and we have clients in Oregon, and we have clients in California, and we have clients in Idaho, because 90% of the time we can solve any problem through our remote access. And that other 10%, you can probably talk someone that's already there, and they can be pushing the keyboard for you, or switching the power supply, or... And as you know, I'm heavily involved in the whole IT community, uh, Apple specifically, and and more recently um, uh, just IT, Windows, and Mac. And so we have uh, partners in all those areas that if we need somebody to go in and do something physically, we can do that. And we don't have the drive time or the plane costs or any of those things anymore. You know, that's one of the things that I was always impressed and really kind of drew me into the Apple community is that we're not very dissimilar no matter where we're from. We, we all have that passion. We all follow the same news. We're using the same technology. And it's kind of a tight-knit community. They won't move into your territory. You won't move into theirs. But that is kind of changing with the remote thing. But you could still partner up with them. And even if you're in their territory, it could still be profitable for them because that's probably a customer that they weren't going to have anyways. That is exactly what's happened. And, and the other thing, frankly, uh, Tim, that's happened is um, we call it platform agnostic. So we used to look at uh, being 100% Mac and saying if they had an accounting person, we'd try to figure out how to make that Mac work in the accounting. And these days we look at it and say, what is the best tool 
for your employee to make them most productive. And if that happens to be an iPad or a a Windows machine or a Mac machine or whatever it is, that, that is the secondary question. And so CopyCraft has morphed into we really don't care so much what the device is. We care is it the best device for that type of work. I think business in general is kind of becoming technology or or at least hardware agnostic yeah they are whatever the solution is they don't really care what box is is running on it i think it's still at least for the consumer market apple probably has a better solution but for businesses i don't even know about consumers i mean windows 10 is really good android phones are a lot better than they were just a few years ago but was there a was there a huge shift? You, can you pinpoint it where you started thinking, I don't really care. Look, I'm looking around your office, everything is Apple products, but when you made that shift in the business, we don't care if you're using an Apple or a PC or a Linux or an Android or who cares what it is. We have the solution to help. Where was that transition? So, so where that morphed is we are now... Um, in what we call managed services. So where we would have a client that might have 10 or 20 or 30 employees, kind of our target market is 10 to 70 employees, and we become their IT guy. We become their technologist. Uh, We had to start to look at it from their business strategy standpoint. So it used to be you would look at IT as a cost. And so... um, that changed when all of a sudden IT became a strategic business operative for the client. And uh, without the, the technology, they couldn't run their business. And that drove you to looking at what's the right device as opposed to the other. So, Bill, let's go back in time. It's the 80s. Uh, the computer revolution is in the midst of happening. I. I was in high school back then, so I remember this big change. How did you go from whatever you were doing before to this business that you're doing now? And even more importantly, in my mind, back in the 80s, could you see yourself doing that in 2016? I mean, what what would you, first of all, what would you say to that Bill Smith in the 80s that would have changed anything? So one of the things that I've learned... Um, and I've owned my own businesses for years now. It's basically been my career life. Is that uh, there is always opportunity where something is changing, when the cheese is being moved. And I owned a marketing consulting business, and I traveled literally um, around the world doing specific uh, marketing projects for clients. And I could see that, at least in the creative environment, uh, the shift was going to go from manual, hand-laid-up products that would then go to film, that would then go to plates, and then would be printed to electronic. Yeah, desktop publishing. Desktop publishing. And there were a number of major corporations that were trying to figure out how to get there, and they were hiring me as their trainer to teach their people how to lay things up in PageMaker and later Quirk and InDesign and so on. And that's really what morphed me from a marketing consulting firm, which I ultimately ended up selling, to uh, CompuCraft. But even back then, I didn't. a lot of Apple specialists would put Mac in their name, so you know, right. it would be Bill's Mac House. Uh, well, I, I, you know, I ran Mac Specialist, and, I, and when I first got there, I told the owner, 
the biggest downside is we have the name Mac in our name. Right. It really kind of limits right. what you can do. Right. You know, when I retired from the My Mac podcast, I did OWC radio for a while, and then I, I stopped doing that. I wanted to come back to My Mac show, but we already had people on the My Mac show. I wanted to start another podcast, but I didn't want to start one that was Windows this or Mac that or I this. That's why I settled for Tech Fan because CompuCraft can be anything. Right. Tech Fan could be anything. Right. Why limit yourself? Why why simply ride somebody else's brand? Right. When you can start your own. Right. And 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 frankly that's that's why we did that. It was a marketing reason that it gave us flexibility so that we didn't know where we would be in 2016. Right. We knew that the technology business was such that we had to relearn everything we were doing every Monday. I mean, it was moving that fast. Uh, and so it's given us a good platform to do these other things. Uh, you know, who would have guessed that the Internet would become what it is back then? And today, we don't sell firewalls. We sell firewalls as a service because it used to be you could put a firewall in and forget about it for two years and not worry about if the bad guys were going to get in. Now, you need to have somebody looking at it every Friday to make sure there aren't updates or whatever. Because it changes that fast. It changes that fast. Same thing with backups. You used to set up a backup system and say, hey, the receptionist can change the tapes. And you found out the receptionist would get busy and forget. So now we do backup to the cloud, and we own the software, the licensing, the gear, and we take on the responsibility to have a person whose job is to make sure that our client's data was backed up and we do test restores and so on. So it's totally changed from that standpoint. How big has mobile changed what you're doing, or has it yet? Um Mobile has not changed the the marketplace as much as I thought it would be. It's augmented the marketplace. Yeah. So where I would have thought at some point there were a lot of people that would totally go to tablets or in the Apple world, iPads or iPad Pros or whatever, um, I'm still seeing that they're used to augment their work. They might take them when they're traveling. It's but not, no. It has not replaced it. I, I remember when I was at Mac Specialist... One of my big initiatives before that business closed was I really wanted to get strong into MDM, mobile device management. But looking at it now from 2016, I don't know if that was really necessary because I don't think that changeover really, really happened. I I see a lot of business people bringing their own phones to work, so there's a little bit of that. You don't want them to have sensitive information outside of the office compared to when they are on-site, but... I don't see it. It didn't happen. It from what I can see, not not to the way I thought it was going to. No, and really, what mobile device management has become, where we implement it, is uh, you made the comment control of the data. Yeah. So if you have a salesperson that left his phone on the plane or his tablet or iPad on the plane. Um, you need to be able to make sure that it was locked down and it can be wiped because you're probably not going to get it back. Right. And, you know, certainly if you're a publicly traded company, that, that release of data becomes a huge deal. Um, or if you're an Apple engineer and you leave a physical right? new iPhone in a bar. <laughs> it better be locked down. And, and, and so, you know, nobody likes to put the passcode no. on their phone. But when you get into the, the business environment, it has to be done. And so really, yeah. mobile device management has become a, 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 
a police officer, a cop. That yeah, it's it not insures. a business in itself. No, it's no. it's part of the larger right, right. IT now. Right. So, how did you though? How did you get into this business? I mean, what was the transition? You were traveling. Um, you were doing the consulting work. How did CompuCraft literally start? And and how did you get that? I mean, you guys have been doing this since the '80s, so you guys were really early on the Apple Macintosh band. We were, again. we were, and 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 basically, what happened is it started as an extension of our consulting. So these clients would know that we really knew the marketing, advertising, creative side, and so they would hire us as part of the consultants to um, train their people on how to use uh, the Apple platform to do the production. And frankly, at that point, we didn't care about the hardware. But what would happen is we would spec the hardware, and then some other supplier would think they knew more, and they would ship the hardware differently than we specced it. Oh. And so it became a easier, hey, if we become a dealer, we can control it from from point A to point B. Because you know what their needs are right. compared to some guy that's just selling the hardware right. that he's going to get the most mark right. out. Right. Yeah. I mean, back in those days, it was a little comical. It was like, who would ever need a 10 megabyte hard drive? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you don't know creatives. You know, these days we're we're managing, you know, terabytes and terabytes and terabytes of data because those creative files are huge. But the other interesting thing that's happened for our business is, used to be that was our mainstay, but now um, our clients are law firms, they're optometrists, they're dentists, they're uh, service consultants, their uh, mechanic shops. Um, so it's totally changed from that standpoint. Again, because IT has become strategic to running a business. Right. Where do you see stuff like the Chromebook, where it's it's not even your computer anymore? It's just a kind of the, the Sun Microsystems thing from way back in the '90s. It's a dumb terminal that's plugging into the cloud. Well, and stop and think about it. We've kind of come full circle because back in the early '80s, we used to have dumb Time terminals, and, and yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and and so you're exactly right. I mean, that is a trend. Why do I need to have all that uh, application licensing and everything resident on this machine when I can have it touch the cloud? And uh, you know, really, the Chromebook is the first big toe in the water, and schools it's, it's have picked successful. it up huge, and Absolutely. It's, it's very successful. And so you can see that trend continuing and accelerating. And and on top of that, companies aren't buying software anymore. They're leasing software. Microsoft and Adobe really were the two biggest companies that's kind of led this charge. Right. How has that affected consulting companies and tech companies like CompuCraft? Well, what's happened is, uh, while that sounds like it's pretty simple, um, it can get pretty confusing. So we end up consulting with the clients on what is the best cloud licensing arrangement if you're into Adobe, you know, which which team one do you want, or are you using individual users? Um, and if you have a problem, you can't pick up the phone and call Adobe and say, solve this. Right. Um, Not anymore. No. So that has become a growing part of our our, our consulting practice is actually managing these licensing agreements for these clients. So that's that's actually been a good change for you guys. It really has. Now, one of the big thing stories this week as we record this tech fan is Apple is going to roll out subscription-based software for iOS and not just for publications. It could be, I don't know why anybody would want it in a game, but 
for productivity software, they can have a subscription-based model. Do you think that would also have a, a positive effect on your business? Uh, we certainly think it will. Uh, we'll have to see how they do that. Uh, one of the positive things about uh, uh, this new cloud licensing of software is it allows the companies to stay up to date. And so you're not back in the old days where, you know, hey, I got two people that are running... Uh, Quark 3, and Quark. this guy's on Quark 5. Right. And yeah, oh, right. the fonts aren't working. Right. And, oh, right. It's just nightmares. The challenge with that is a lot of clients, and again, we manage this for them, but a lot of clients forget that they have to keep their OS going too. Right. And so they'll get into a Creative Cloud 2015 and all of a sudden say, hey, it doesn't work. And you get involved in it and realize that uh, the system hasn't been upgraded for three systems back. and. Is this constant? Microsoft's doing it. Apple is now doing it with both phone and computer. Yearly massive updates to the operating system. Is that disruptive for clients that you've seen? It certainly is. And, um, you know, you mentioned Windows 10 and, uh, you know, El Capitan and the Apple world and so on. What we say to clients is don't push that upgrade button until we've fully vetted your machine and make sure that you're not running software that's not going to run and what needs to be upgraded and so on. And Microsoft and Apple has kind of tricked the consumer by taking any price out of it. Right. It looks like it's free, but from a business perspective, at least once a year, a company like CompuCraft has to really go through their systems and vet it and make sure that it's going to work and audit it. So... They can't have downtime, no. you know, and they've already outsourced a lot of that IT work to you. So I guess in some respects it's good for you, but as a consumer and as a business, I don't know if it's the best thing in the world to have these yearly updates. How many, What kind of changes can you really get that's progressive on a yearly basis on a it's, it's certainly not like it was in the 80s no. and 90s where there would be uh, huge changes yeah. when they came out. Um, but that's that's you've you've hit the key point. That's why we now have clients that hire us to totally manage their IT, and we use a product called IT Glue that we keep track of every machine they have and what OSs they're running and how much RAM and hard drives and you know how is everything working because they can't have the downtime. And so uh, if they have a user that has uh, admin rights and hits the yes, let's upgrade to El Capitan. They could lose a day or two because. Yeah, and you can't do that. No, you can't these days because, again, IT has become business strategic and you can't afford to have that downtime. Bill, if somebody wants to get a hold of you guys, where can they find you online? So we're uh, compucraft.net, C O M P U C R A F T.net. Uh, and our email address uh, generally is info at compucraft.net. And I still actually look at every email that comes in at InfoAt. So not a lot of people do that anymore. No, they don't. That's a lot of spam. I have to imagine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good spam filters. Good spam yeah. filters. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Bill. Appreciate it. Great. Thanks, Tim. Hi, everyone. This is Gaz from the MyMac.com podcast, and I'm here with that big Yang Tank guy. Hey, you nitwit Brit. Did you know the MyMac.com podcast is one of the longest-running Mac podcasts out there? I did know that. Why do you think that is? I think it's because we bring a blend of tech and entertainment that no other show can do. I thought it was because one of us is incredibly handsome. (laughs) Well, thanks, Gaz. I do try to look my best. Yes, Guy. Of course. But how can people find the podcast? Well, they should just go to iTunes and do a podcast search for MyMac.com. 
So subscribe and get your weekly dose of tech fun. Wait, I, I thought I was the handsome one. Yeah, you just keep thinking that and we'll be all right. Back here at Tech Fan 258. Thanks again to uh, Bill Smith for coming on Tech Fan this week. And uh, it was, I had a really good time driving up to Grand Rapids to talk to him. Uh, really cool business. If you're in the West Michigan area, look them up. It's definitely uh, worth your time. If you run a business and use some managed services, that is the company I would suggest right now to get a hold of and see what they can do for you. In the meantime, uh, I want to encourage all of our listeners to send us feedback. We'd really appreciate it. Real easy to do. Simply send an email to the show at techfanpodcast.com. Or you can go to techfanpodcast.com and leave um, you know, a message there, comment, what have you. You can do the same thing on our Facebook page. You can do it at mymac.com. And, of course, you can reach us on Twitter, Tech Fan Podcast. So, anyways, uh, before I wrap this up, and it is going to be a, a much shorter show this week because I'm by myself. And um, I don't really have a lot to talk about, to be honest. I've been just... I've been swamped. I do want to thank our sponsor, MacSales.com. As uh, longtime listeners know, I worked at uh, OWC, the parent company of MacSales.com. And while I was there, I started using... Well, look, if you remember, again, longtime listeners, if you remember back, I actually broke my first iPhone 6 Plus. Fell out of a jacket pocket, landed right on uh, this kind of a brick cobblestone drive in a hotel at Detroit in Detroit and my screen just shattered. It's the very first iPhone I've ever had break on me. I've got every single iPhone I've ever owned. Every one of them still work. They're glorified iPod touches now for the most part. In fact, as I record this, my youngest daughter is using a iPhone 4S in the other room to watch a video on with her headphones on. So I had to have a case and I did have a case on that iPhone, but it was a cheap case. It was real thin, didn't really offer protection. It looked cool, but I didn't care about it looking cool. I cared about it not breaking. So what I started using was the NewGuard KX case from MacSales.com. This is a fantastic case. I'm still using it today. I, I love this case. It's 30 bucks for my uh, for my 6 Plus. You can get them for pretty much any iPhone. It makes it more grippy. That was one of the things that I didn't like about the 6 Plus. It's just it's kind of slippery, and I, I don't like that. And when the whole front of it is just a big sheet of glass, slippery phone, big sheet of glass, cement, Bad things could happen. When I was testing the NewGuard KX case, when I was at trade shows and stuff, I would pull out my own phone in this case and just drop it right on the concrete floor in an arena. And I can tell you, people would flinch. A lot of people were expecting it to damage my phone. My phone would be damaged. Oh my God, you just dropped it right on the ground. Never a problem. Uh, I, I love the product. It looks good. But more importantly, in my opinion, it really does a fantastic job of protecting your phone. Is it 100%? No, nothing is. I mean, if if I drop this phone just right and it lands on a rock right on its glass face, 
it'll probably break the glass. But how how often is that going to happen? What usually happens is you just abs- accidentally drop your phone out of your pocket or something, right? And it just lands. As long as it has this case on it, you shouldn't have any problems. If you have an iPhone, I'm going to put a link in, uh, again, show 256. I'm going to put a link directly to this case on MacSales.com. It's the NewGuard KX case from Newer Technology. Love this case. And I want to thank MacSales.com for sponsoring this episode of TechFan. So I was thinking, there's no real thing out there that I'm really dying to get my hands on in technology right now. There really isn't. Um, I do want an Xbox One simply because I don't have one yet. And... I'm a member of the, uh, the the gold program. Like PlayStation has their PlayStation Plus. Microsoft has the Xbox Gold program. And it costs like 50 bucks a year or something. But the reason that I pay it every year is every month you can download new games. And on the 360, I've got probably 50 free games so far through that program. And once you, you, you know, technically buy it, but it's, the, it's free. But once you buy it, it's yours. You can download it at any time. So when a game moves out of the go- of the free gold program, as long as you bought it during the program, you got it for free, you could download it for free at any time. So while I don't have an Xbox One yet, I've already got like 20 games for it. So when I eventually buy one, sign into my account, it's going to start downloading just a ton of games. So that's one product I, I am kind of wanting can't afford it right now so if there's any uh listeners out there with extra 299 dollars and you want to buy me an xbox one i'll do a whole segment on it (laughs) a couple shows i'll give you a killer shout outs if you want to buy it for me hit me up on twitter at my mac or at tech fan podcast and i'll send you my shipping address and you can buy it and send it to me (laughs) i would die if someone actually did that that would be awesome (laughs) <laughs> I don't know where I'd put it on my shelf, but I'll make room. Um, but something else I was I keep kind of looking at now is the that newer Apple TV. They keep releasing new stuff for it, new channels, new apps. I kind of want one now. You know, I can get into one for what one forty nine or one ninety nine. Yeah, I, I I can't bring myself to to pull the trigger and buying one right now. Um, but I think. I think I might within maybe this year. But here's the thing. WWDC is next week. And the big brouhaha from Apple this week was they released all these plans that they're going to do with the App Store, including uh, like 24 to 48 hours approval rates for apps going live and subscription Subscription-based pricing. What does that mean? Well, the apps already have that, right? Yes, but only for like publications, for like magazines and stuff like that, um, or HBO Go, that kind of thing. Any app. Let me repeat that. Any app can employ subscription-based pricing now. I think this is really interesting. I think that it, in my mind, I think this is good for developers. I think. This is going to give them continued revenue as opposed to selling their ad for $0.99 cent 
a thousand people buy it and then you don't make any more money. So I, I think it's good for developers. I think you're going to see better apps because of it, because if developers can actually get paid consistently for good apps, they're going to continue to produce. And that's good for consumers. I don't know if it's too little too late, though, in that there's this huge problem in the App Store that if a game isn't free, it just doesn't get a lot of attention. So all this was announced this week, including, by the way, paid ads in the App Store, which some people seem to have a problem with. I don't. It's clearly going to be marked an ad, and ads are everywhere else anyway, so come on, who cares? But that being said, Apple announced that this week because they said there's too much going on at WWDC. There's too many announcements, and they didn't want to this to kind of get lost in everything that's coming next week. So what's coming next week? Of course, I have no official idea. I've heard rumors. I heard brand new MacBook Pro, but a redesigned MacBook Pro that this is going to be the first major change to the MacBook Pro in quite some time. And I don't just mean a retina, a retina screen or the springy keyboard. Beyond that, who knows? I mean, a week from now, we'll all know. But I'm, I'm kind of curious on what Apple's going to come out with. So I, I guess only got a few days left at this point. But that being said, I kind of want... I. If they release a brand new Apple TV, I'll, I guess I'll be happy. I, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to refresh the Apple TV for a couple of years. Unless they just, oh, here's the new Apple TV, and now it still starts at 149 but that's for the 64-gigabyte version, and the 199 is the 256-gigabyte version. Something like that, sure. But the core of the device, I, I just don't think they're going to upgrade it anytime soon. Maybe we're finally going to get some new product from Apple. Yeah, I know Apple Watch, right? That's They did release something new recently. iPad Pro, which nah, I don't really consider that new. It's just an extenuating product from an existing product, right? It's just it's an iPad on steroids with a better screen and blah, blah, blah. And the pencil from everyone that I know that has one, including David here on TechFan, loves it. But I mean something brand new. Are we finally going to get a, a real Apple TV? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I think it feels like it's about time for Apple to really kind of wow us again. Maybe they're going to officially announce that they're building a car. Everyone knows they're doing it. They haven't even really been coy about it. Wouldn't it be nice if they talk about it a little bit? I don't know. Something I... I would just really want to get exciting. I, I Let me rephrase it. I want to get excited about tech, something, and nothing has been exciting me for a year from the big companies. Just, yeah, nothing really exciting going on. It's, I don't know why. It, it, are we at that point? I know we've talked about it here on TechFan. Are we at the point where it's just evolution instead of revolution? I don't know, but I, I want something cool. I want something new. I want I want something worth talking a whole lot about. Come on, Apple, you can do it. Give me something cool. With that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of a much shorter tech fan. The last two have been pretty long, so it's. I think it's time to uh, have a, a short episode. Unless you want to say something on the show, Brooke. 
Brooke. What? Do you want to say something on Tech Fan here? No. Nothing? No. Nothing at all? No. Don't want to talk about your new haircut? No. The iPhone you're using? No. How about your uh, MacBook? No. Nothing? No. You sure? Yep. I guess that means no. She's been on the show before, but she was much younger then. She's cooler now. Why would you want to be on her dad's podcast? Ew. What would my friends think? Yeah, you remember when you used to talk to your friends how cool it was that your dad has a podcast. Now you probably think it's embarrassing, right? No. You don't think, do you tell your friends, though? No, I show them you online. You show your friends me online? Yes. What does that mean? See this mass murderer? That's not the Tim Robertson. That's my dad. He's this other one over here grinning like a goof. Do they go, oh, look, you got your dad's nose. They do, yeah. So I'll wrap up. You know, here's the thing, though. I told Brooke when she gets a little older, whatever her interests are at that time, because they keep changing right now, she's going to be a rock star because she's starting a band with her friends, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's starting... But just a month ago, everything was about anime. And now she doesn't talk about anime, even though, even though I bought tickets like two months ago to this big anime convention in September and promised to go with her and possibly even dress up, which I totally don't want to do. But if it makes her happy, I'll dress up in something, maybe. So I, I buy these. She's so excited. And now she wants to be a rock star and never talks about anime. So there you go. Thanks for listening to Tech Fan. I'll see you guys in a week. Uh, David uh, won't be here next week either. Um, he's got some. Uh, he's got some sad news, and I will let him when he deems it, you know, appropriate and, or wants to talk about it. I'll let him uh, kind of reveal that here on Tech Fan when he comes back. Um, but my heart goes out for him and, uh, I, I miss talking to him. I talked to him on the phone yesterday and, um, sometimes life sucks, you know, and, uh, I look forward to him coming back, but I totally get that now is not the time he needs to, uh, he needs to take care of some business. So we'll probably see David back in, uh, not next week, but maybe the week after that. So if you would like to be on TechFan, uh, I am looking for someone to come on the show with me. It would be next Friday. Uh, let me pull up my calendar because I don't know what next Friday's date is. It would be um, June 17th at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Now, I can have multiple people. So if a couple people say, hey, I can be there 11 o'clock on a Friday morning, uh, let me know. I mean, it's kind of a weird time to most people are working at that point but if you can do it and you want to be on tech fan next friday june 17th 11 a.m eastern standard time call in sick you know you haven't called in sick in how long they won't suspect anything <laughs> uh okay see you next week bye